0: Hello and welcome to the Powder Blue Podcast. We are back once again. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. What's up, guys?
1: How are we what, doing?
0: What's going on? Well, I am back from sunny Clearwater, but I, I brought the warm weather with me. You're welcome. So I hope you're enjoying these <laughs> these couple beautiful days. And, and there's there's nothing like days like we saw Sunday, Monday, just to get us want to see some baseball again. How
1: about that, huh? It's great. Uh, honestly, I can't even believe that we're halfway through spring training already because there's so much to talk about. But it's it's warm there. It's warm here. And honestly, the way the Sixers have been playing. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, hey. What uh, about I, those Flyers, fly guys? They, they, Let's go. The Flyers have us galvanized. I know, Broads. I know. Let's but go! I want two teams to galvanize me right now. So I'm waiting on the Phillies now.
0: And, yeah, you know, there's always that moment halfway through spring training when it starts to get warm in Philadelphia. And that really makes you crave the upcoming baseball season. But yes, there, there are some some things to watch in Philadelphia sports other than the Phillies, but the Phillies are coming. And the nice thing about baseball is they play much, much more frequently. And so they will keep us plenty entertained. Uh, so lot, lots to get into today. Uh, we are, as you said, halfway through Philly spring training. And the hope was that by the middle of March, Joe Girardi had said he would know his starting rotation. But here we are. Uh, recording this, and we still do not totally know who will be the Phillies' fifth starter. So I wanted to sort of break down a couple of the most recent performances from the, the candidates here for us before we really get into them. So uh, so first, let's talk about Nick Pavetta. So Nick Pavetta, uh, he, he pitched on Wednesday uh, against the Yankees, and he allows three earned runs before he can get a second out okay so his his first inning looks something like this single out wild pitch single single error single so that that was not the best start uh, although I will say he does ultimately uh, you know uh, go three to third innings not allowing any more runs so that's that that's that's a good sign will that's that's his performance against the Yankees. Now let's go to Vince Velasquez pitching Sunday. Vince Velasquez he goes just two and change uh, before having to be pulled from the game. Uh, he would he was let's just say a little bit wild as the uh, Blue Jays down the Phillies nine to nothing. As I don't believe Vel- you. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's funny because you know you, not, not to get dwell too much on him at the moment as we have, I run through it but you know we're used to him going four and two-thirds but I guess the spring training scaled back is is two and two-thirds but but three earned runs uh, and a lot of balls in his start and then you have Ranger Suarez uh he, he got the win and this this occurred on Saturday as the Phillies down the Red Sox 10 to two and while he did give up a couple runs after the Phillies batted around and and he, he I guess we kind of understand that, you know, that, that the long layoff sometimes gets takes a, a pitcher to, to sort of get back in the groove. But he did recover. He goes three innings, allows two earned runs, striking out four, walking none, and he earns the win. So I'll start with you, Jeff. Those last starts, uh, you know, in our rearview mirror, is the fifth starter any closer in your mind to being named?
1: Remember when I was joking, but not really joking that Ranger Suarez should be considered for the fourth starting spot. I do remember third? that. I do remember that. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure I was joking then and I may not be joking now. I mean, look, I mean, we try. we talked about this uh, last week. You try not to put too much into spring training, but you're basically seeing the same things out of Velasquez and Pavetta that you saw last year. And so right now. All you have is spring training. All Joe Girardi has to build his staff uh, as his first year as manager is what he sees in spring training. And I don't know how he can start to have an idea of who he wants as his fourth and fifth starters, or I guess fifth, um, when he's seeing what he's been seeing. And and I don't know how he doesn't look at Ranger Suarez and think that that guy, even when he's getting hit a little bit, pitches with more composure. And I, I just think he's a smart cerebral pitcher. You know, a lefty doesn't throw very hard. And I don't know how you don't put him in the conversation there, as you've been saying, Frank, with uh... – Velasquez and Pavetta I think well, you have I think,
2: to yeah I think that that's the thing it's when Girardi made those statements earlier on I don't know if anyone really expected Ranger Suarez to be in the conversation and because no one really stepped up with Velasquez and Pavetta here comes this kid who comes in there and is doing really well so now it's hey I mean he's making the most of his opportunity and he's making the most of other guys not taking advantage of that opportunity so he does deserve to be in the conversation I think he, he might actually have a chance of winning it uh Jeff, I don't remember if you were on the air
0: in the Sports Bash the day that I predicted before this before anybody threw a pitch, I predicted Ranger Suarez would be this fifth starter and yeah, it's sure. hard to argue that he deserves the job. Now, I'm going to be highly critical for a second of Vince Velasquez on his Sunday start. To me, this was the game that Vince Velasquez took himself out of the running. And and I'll explain why. You know, listening to what the coaching staff would say, all right, listening to – and even uh, I believe Kevin Franson was discussing on air a, um, a conversation that he had with Rob Thompson, the Phillies bench coach. Now, the nice thing about having Rob Thompson is he's Joe Girardi's guy, right? They were on a coaching staff together for nine years. There's that level of trust. And when Rob Thompson says something, Joe Girardi's going to listen, right? So, mm-hmm. So as you said, Jeff, Joe Girardi has never seen these guys before. And he's got Rob Thompson to fall back on. And what, what Kevin Franson was saying was Rob Thompson basically pointed out where Velasquez gets himself in trouble. You know, he gets ahead of batters and then plays around to try to get the strikeout. And, and he is not changing. Uh, as Kevin Franson uh, and, and Scott Fransky, they seem to s- say the same thing that Vince Velasquez is not changing. And what I saw on Sunday was more the same of Vince Velasquez, uh, where, where he, he can't get his control. He, he's, he's trying to still get strikeouts. And, and, and let me read to you something that Vince Velasquez had to say after that Sunday start. You know, when people say, hey, you got to be more than the fastball guy, he says, and I'm reading this from Todd Zalecki's piece on MLB.com, he says, it's the art of pitching. That's what I'm starting to understand and critique and put those things into play. All right. So what took Vince Velasquez until 2020 to decide to learn the art of pitching? Is this too late? Jeff Mosher. Uh,
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> the art of pitching, uh, you know, you want a Rembrandt and he's giving you a finger painting and that's what he's been giving you for years now. I think that, you know, when guys are, are really struggling and grasping for straws. They try to come up with anything to say to kind of get them through the day, and that was probably what was on V-Double's mind there. Uh, The bottom line is he's the same guy now that he was the year before and the year before that. And the the big question is, what do you do with him? Because I don't want an inefficient pitcher who throws a lot of pitches coming out of the bullpen unless he's my long man. But unfortunately, I feel like the Eagles have – uh, Eagles. I feel like the Phillies have a couple of guys who are um, candidates for long men because they're just not that good in whatever roles they're in. And I don't even know if, if a long man in today's game is so great if he's an inefficient pitcher. So I, I I honestly think if he doesn't make this team, you move on from him. I don't know if there's any reason to keep him.
2: Well, the only thing I'll say is I feel like I it just, just shows how bad the bullpen might be. I feel as if he's reasonable to have in there just because what are your other options back there? I mean, if you need a guy who can give you two innings, I I mean, I don't know. Do I trust him just as much as I trust anybody
1: else? We got Liriana. I mean, you have a a lot of names, and none of them are great, but that's the same thing you're going to say about Vince Velasquez. I'd rather just somebody different, somebody newer. Well, here's the thing though, Vince
0: Velasquez, they they are paying him handsomely this year. I mean, they he is making a few million bucks. And you know what? if you're if you're the Phillies, Vince Velasquez, here, here's my problem, right? Last year, the Phillies put Vince Velasquez into the bullpen finally, right? So this was the thing that a lot of us had been waiting for for years. Everybody said, oh, put him in the bullpen, let him loose, Let him throw his fastball. Uh, pair it with something off speed and he could have a lot of success in a bullpen. Well, the problem was he made a total of 10 relief appearances and they took it already off the table. Next thing you know, Vince Velasquez is starting again. So, so what I think is the really unfortunate thing here is when you talk about Vince Velasquez, the reliever, the Phillies never really let it happen. Like, you know, I, I, I didn't understand last year why They uh, again, maybe I understand somewhat why, right? They were desperate for starters come come later in the season, but why not put Cole Irvin in there and let him start more, and just really see if you can build this this arm as a bullpen piece for later? Because really, by the time the 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 Phillies' rotation had fallen apart, (laughs) it it was already time to really start to look ahead, and 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 you know, I don't understand why in September we don't see someone like Vince Velasquez. Uh, get the chance to go in the bullpen and stay there and I think they did themselves a long time dis- long term disservice by taking him out of the the bullpen that quickly last year. So, uh, w- one thing I would throw at you Hunter. Uh, Vince Velasquez said, "It seemed today that today was kind of rushed. Things were a little bit more fast paced. Normally I do a good job. Since spring spring training started, I felt like I controlled the momentum of the game, but today was more
2: rushed." What do you think about that, Hunter? I feel like it's odd that someone like him is having problems with speed during a spring training game. Like if you're going to take your next step in your career, I would assume that, you know, it wouldn't be rushed in a random spring training game.
0: (laughs) All right. So we're spending a lot of time on Vince Velasquez, but let's talk Nick Pavetta a little bit more in depth. So, so Pavetta. So here's my problem with Nick Pavetta, right? So he is the one who seems to get rattled all right so let, let me run back through that line again here so single out wild pitch all right so uh so okay so op- you know single to open the game against the yankees that's fine that happens right he gets an out but then the wild pitch and then after the wild pitch you have single single right so did the wild pitch rattle him to the point where he starts giving up those those hits or tries to, to blow it by everybody down the middle of the plate and they hit singles. And then an error, okay, and then another single. So so is this is this something that is the nature of Nick Pavetta that he is never going to get past? Or is he ever going to be the guy that can really comment? Now, here I will I will say this. So we did say he sort of settled in later, perhaps. You know he did. He did finish that first inning with a strikeout, and he didn't allow any more hits. And uh, you know he retired nine out of eleven before he finally got pulled when he reached his his pitch limit. He did walk a couple more, but uh, but is is that going to be Nick Pavetta indefinitely? And and let's ask the same question here: Could he be an effective reliever if he goes to the bullpen? Uh, so why don't we start with you, Jeff?
1: Uh, I. I <laughs> Could he be effective reliever? I go back to I don't want guys coming into the game who unravel. I mean, relieving is important. So it depends on what kind of relief role we're discussing, guys. Again, if he's a long man, he can be a long man. Do I want him coming in in the seventh inning of a 3-2 game with a runner on base, which is already a pressure situation when he's kind of known for not being able to maintain his composure? Absolutely not. I'd rather have somebody who is a career reliever who was bred – for those situations than Nick Pavetta, just because when he's on, Nick Pavetta has better stuff than your typical reliever. So I don't really see it any differently than I do with Vince Velasquez, who, by the way, to go back to him really quickly, you mentioned those 10 innings of relief last year. He he allowed five runs in those 10 innings and walked six, but was on a 13K per nine. So he was basically Vince Velasquez as a reliever, <laughs> yep, yep. which is, I, I think that just goes to my point. Where I don't think these guys have roles if they're not the fifth starter and they're not proving themselves worthy of being the fifth starter. So, however you have to do it, trade, move on, whatever, DFA. I know that in some cases that's that's costing them money, but it is really the definition of insanity to keep running these guys out there and expecting a different result. Now I, I'm I'm all for the understanding that a new managing, a new pitching coach, Brian Price, new manager, new. New regime should have some time to work with these guys. So I'm not sitting here today on March 8th saying run them out now. I mean, they've still got a couple of weeks left, and if they have to come north for the first two or three weeks and, and serve or enroll, okay, I'm not going to be screaming from the mountaintops. I mean, at this point, we're talking about a fifth starter, not a third starter, right? But if they do continue to be what we've seen from them, a month into the season, you gotta you have to make a change. You touched on exactly
2: where I was going to go with the new manager and with, with Price coming in here and hopefully changing some things. When it comes to those two players, I think Pavetta has no business being in the bullpen. With Velasquez, I'm not trying to make it seem like he's great and you just spit numbers out that would totally support that he's not. I just feel like for Nick Pavetta specifically, if he's not a starter, I don't see him being even close to any sort of bullpen piece at all. So then, what do you do with them? Like, like, will another organization take a shot on one of these I guys? Think so. Like, you I think, think Nick Pavetta. Yes, I think Nick Pavetta. Yes, because we all say the same thing about him all the time, and it's he has the stuff. So I think he has enough stuff. Well, maybe people will think, well, we can get it out of him. We'll get it out of him. We'll find a way. So I think for Pavetta, there's a chance that another organization would. Maybe it's the Giants. With (laughs) cap.
1: I mean, the Phillies took a shot on Jason Vargas last year. And (laughs) Andrew Smiley. At the time that they traded for Vargas. Yeah, and Miley, right? Um, Smiley. At the time they traded for Vargas, his numbers were decent. But he had been just awful for the first, like, five or six weeks of the season for them. So, I mean, there's always somebody who's going to take a shot on a guy like Velazquez because of his stuff. And even a guy like Pavetta because he's young enough. And he he doesn't have Velazquez stuff. But he's got good enough stuff that somebody will take a chance.
0: Actually, speaking of taking a chance, there was a report out there that the Phillies might take a look at Ervin Santana, uh, you know, uh, yeah. who would be an interesting name. Now he, he was injured last year, 0-2, 9-4-5 ERA. I don't think he's anybody that would be an immediate solution in the fifth spot, but – is this just uh,
1: Freddie Garcia, like revisited all these years later? Like, <laughs> <Clay>, come on. <laughs>
0: uh, but but Santada, yeah, he would be. Uh, he would probably be somebody a stash at AAA just in case. But I, I and I will say the one thing that the Phillies didn't do was was grab anybody just in case. But let's talk for a second about uh, about the other candidate for this starting rotation spot, and that would be Ranger Suarez. So Suarez against the Boston Red Sox, three innings pitched. Two earned runs, so. Uh, it, but his ERA on the spring is 2.25, and you know, for me, watching him come out after the Phillies batted around, and he himself, uh, I believe, what he was on the base, either I think he was on the base path <laughs> himself. So, you know that that I can sort of get that he didn't, uh, you know, respond right away like like happens sometimes to a starter. But, but has he really be- separated himself enough? that you would give him a chance in this Philly starting rotation. Or in other words, is his work itself enough to say that he deserved the chance or is this only because
2: two other guys fail? What do you think about that, Hunter? I think that's exactly what it is. If, if they had people in here who were veterans and you can rely on, I don't think he would be in the discussion. But if he continues to have these type of outings, which I think in spring training he has been decent – You're going to have to give him a shot. I mean, it would be silly to not give him a shot. And I would expect someone like Joe Girardi to reward him with that chance if he keeps something like this up and the other guys just don't take that extra step. Like if Nick Pavetta was dominating out there, I don't know if Ranger Suarez would have that opportunity if he was giving the numbers that he's giving now. But because that's not happening, I would assume he would get some sort of look.
1: But you know, if this team is as much into analytics as they should be, and now Joe Girardi comes in and he, you know, comes from the Yankees and he has talked about embracing analytics for a while, then the, it should be more than just about Vince or or Pavetta not struggling. Because Ranger Suarez, for his lack of electric stuff, is a primarily a ground ball pitcher. I think he's about fifty five percent of a ground ball rate. The average in the league is around forty three, and you now have a very good you should have a very good middle of the defense with DD Gregorius at shortstop and Kingery at second base, I assume. So to me, when you, when, you know, Vince Velasquez, he's a fly ball pitcher, even when he's play, pitching well. So his margin of error is in a ball park, like citizens bank is a lot smaller than a guy like Suarez who keeps the ball down. So even if he doesn't hit his spots, great. And even though he doesn't throw hard, if he can get kind of a ground ball, he's hitting into a defense that should be able to swallow it up. So, that I think is a big advantage having a left-hander who can keep the ball down and gets a lot of ground balls behind a defense that they've now improved to the point where it should be one of the better, you know, infield defenses in baseball.
0: All right. So, but <laughs> we've got what two weeks left really before they have t- to make a decision. They are going to have to put somebody there. <laughs> what are the, is there any chance that somebody that's not on the roster is going to end up being the fifth starter?
2: I do don't think so. I, I don't know what they could do unless they give us a a move that we really don't expect.
1: What like you know, uh, you know Chris Sale? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, now nah, he, well he just escaped some some big news of not yeah, needing time, to, and then you got Severino on the on the surgery path, and you yeah. got the whole Yankees collapsing already. It's wild. I will say this though: the Phillies have knock on wood, the Phillies have
0: some health. If if nothing else, the people that they came to camp with expecting to be healthy
1: are healthy well how about sir anthony he gave you two uh two good innings in his debut
0: yeah actually just we'll quickly mention that because it's almost time to go to our break but uh sir anthony Dominguez is back on the mound pitching pretty well he makes two quick appearances Uh, i got to see him on a uh i got to see him on a backfield doing some some drills the other day so it seemed like he was one in the same with all the other reliever candidates And, and 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 if he can be in this Phillies bullpen that's really good news
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Well, the thing is, though, the the velocity wasn't there. Now, I wouldn't expect him to just walk in and start throwing high 90s again. You know, you're throwing mid-90s. That makes sense. But he's going to have to get back up to that at some point for him to, you know, be really
1: effective like we would hope him to. I'll say this. If Sir Anthony Dominguez, Dominguez stays healthy all year long and gets back to the velocity from two years ago, and is as productive as he was two years ago, and I know Joe will use him correctly. I don't think Gabe always used him advantageously. If this is the case, he will be the closer by the end of the year. Wow. Stone well, you're anti-Hector mortal. Neris. I'm, well, you're I'm anti- not anti-Hector Neris anti- because anti- I'm biased. Right? People are like, you're biased. you're biased. No, I don't like him because I've watched him pitch, and I don't think he's good he enough to He was good be last year. He was good last year. I would say he was good. Was, was, he 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 was, was he not sent down to triple-A? He
2: was good last year. Was
1: he not sent down to triple-A? He
2: was good. Okay. It's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, one thing about the bullpen, <laughs> if Ranger Suarez is in the rotation, the Phillies have three lefties at least with Jose Alvarez, Adam Morgan, and Francisco Liriano. So there might be the luxury to keep Ranger Suarez in the rotation. All right. So that'll do it for our first segment of the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody, will be back after this. Welcome back to the Powder Blue podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. Perhaps you're listening to us on 97.3 ESPN on Tuesday evenings. Maybe you're listening on sportstalkphilly.com or 97.3ESPN.com. But we are also available
2: on many different platforms, Hunter Brody. Why don't you run them down for us? Yeah, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Breaker. You can name any podcast app, and we are on there. So make sure you leave a rating and a review as well. And we are on there thanks to the wizardry of Hunter
0: Brody and his great (sighs) producing skills. So we are most grateful to him for that. It's it's great just to be able to talk, Jeff, and have somebody else push all the buttons. Yeah, Boch, huh? why did you laugh at that? What, what's so funny? No, fun?
1: it's just this is my favorite part of the podcast is that I don't have to do anything but talk, <laughs> unlike some of my other ventures.
0: <laughs> That's very very true. Actually, the, the, the previous podcast I've done, I've always pushed the buttons, and and I'm telling you, this is this is absolutely wonderful. All right, so coming back, we wanted to take a little bit of a time to talk about the Phillies lineup now. One nice thing I did see in Clearwater last week was on a backfield, I saw Andrew McCutcheon taking batting practice from the ageless Larry Boa, which, who really doesn't age ever. I, and the fact that he's still out there throwing batting practice, I think is just awesome. Uh, but I watched Andrew McCutcheon take some BP, and uh, even though he's looking pretty good, he's still not going to be available opening day. So, so one of the, the great questions that has been, and we've kind of kicked around it before, Although we haven't really come together with a full lineup is who is going to be the leadoff hitter and what type of lineup would we put together on opening day without Andrew McCutcheon. So what we've done for this week is we've prepared our, uh, our lineups that we think might be a good option for the Phillies to get going. And uh, Jeff, why don't we start with you? Why don't you give us your best lineup that the Phillies could put out there without Andrew McCutcheon on opening day?
1: Before we do that, can I just first say I can't stand the idea of JT Realmuto leading off?
2: Wow. Really? Uh,
1: yeah. I can't I'm, stand it.
2: I'm not that against it.
1: Uh, I'm not old school. Uh, I'm not expecting Ricky Henderson or Lenny Dykstra or, or even, you know, Jose Reyes to be walking through the door. But I think your leadoff hitter, right, should be someone, especially when you have a player players who can run a little bit, uh, not that JT is slow by any means, but – when you have so i want somebody who can go to first and third lightning quick when especially when my second hitter uh in this case most likely would be Bryce Harper but maybe Scott Kingery depending on righty or lefty can hit it into the gaps and to me i don't love the idea of Realmuto uh, who it's not like he has a 360 or 370 on base percentage either we're talking about a 32 33% guy as your leadoff um being at first then maybe somebody hits one into the left or right gap and then you got to have Real Muto busting his butt, uh, down trying to get to third. Uh, and I don't want this guy getting hurt. Now, nah, it's not a good, you know, getting hurt's not a reason because he's out there, but I just think that there's better options to lead off. Um, when McCutcheon's available, obviously he'll will be the lead off, but, um, if you want me to give him my line, in first left handed pitching, I would have Roman Quinn lead off with followed by Kingery, Harper, Real Muto, Hoskins, Didi, Segura, and Hazley. Versus right-hand pitching, Kingery, Harper, Real Muto, Dede, Hoskins, Bruce, Segura, Paisley. So I, not- I, I split the lefties-righties up a little bit more when when they face right-handed pitching.
0: So uh, so, let me ask you a couple things about mm-hmm. that lineup there. So first, you have Hastely in a platoon, essentially, to, to Roman Quinn. But I kind of want to point out that a lot of Roman Quinn's power comes from the left side. So uh, would you straight platoon them uh, uh, in all cases? or I mean, I'd like that his pace?
1: power comes from the left side. But uh, again, at the top of the, le- the, the, the lineup, I'm not really interested in his power more than I'm interested in his speed and his ability to be disruptive on the base path. So he would be leading off with Kingery batting second and Harper batting third. And I think that puts a lot of early pressure on a starting pitcher and yeah, versus right-handed pitchers. I want Jay. And again, this is without McCutcheon. I want Jay Bruce playing left field and then Hazley in center. And so that's why I don't have Quinn in the lineup. So yeah, I take away his power in that situation, batting lefty against a right-handed pitcher, but I'm putting in Jay Bruce. So I feel like I'm adding more overall power.
0: All right, so Hunter, what what do you what do
2: you have for your ideal lineup? Well, for uh, I was I put one down with J.T. Realmuto just because I feel like they're leaning that way. But if I was to go my own way, I, I would put Roman Quinn in there just because I feel like that is what you are looking for with a leadoff guy. And and I feel like they really do value his speed, which is not a bad thing to do whatsoever. So I put Roman Quinn leading off. And I I was thinking about what we're going to do at number two. And I just feel like with Gene Segura last year, he gives you constant nights where he's giving you two hits. He's giving you three hits. like He just gives you multi-hit games. I would like to see and – he, and he did really well when he was hitting second when Andrew McCutcheon was there. I don't mind that spot for him. So I went with Roman Quinn, Gene Segura, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, JT Realmuto, Didi, Kingery, and Hastley as the lineup that I came up with. That's pretty low in the batting order for D.D. Gregorius. It is, I, but I don't think that that's a bad thing.
1: I don't I, think that's I had, a bad thing. I had Didi also uh, fairly low, I think, in my – one, two, three, four, five. I have him six and yes, one, and, and then four only against right-handers. I have him up uh, in cleanup. I, I don't really know what's fair to expect from him. He's Why do you say that? Right because now. of his, because of his, uh, his resume.
0: Because of the injury, yes. like what, what's what's
1: Be- because of his resume. Uh, personally, like if before he was a Yankee, he was not a prodigious home run hitter. And I mentioned this last podcast. Some guys just. Especially recently, you see guys go to the Yankees and it's like they hit out of their mind, whether their name is, you know, DJ LeMahieu or Mike Talkman or Clint Frazier or whoever guys go there, they play out of their minds, then they go somewhere else and they go back to what they were. So it's not that and listen, he's a great defensive player. So I'm, I'm happy that he's here. I just don't know what to expect. I'm going to give you some numbers. All right. So the last three seasons
0: from D.D. Gregorius. All right. So it's a pretty good sample size. That's why I'm going there. So mm-hmm. of all the, the spots in the order he's batted, he's batted most as a number three hitter. And of three, four, five, six, he has batted 231 as a number three hitter. But when he bats fourth, he's hitting 267 at a comparable number of bats. When he bats fifth, 295, when he bats sixth, 272, and when he bats seventh 291, although that's a smaller sample size. So he seems like he does best 4, five, six. That's again, that's over the last three years. If you're looking at power um, of uh, the last three years, t- his most home runs have come when he's batted cleanup. Uh, but he has a uh, comparable amount whether he bats third or fifth. And batting sixth, again, smaller sample size,
1: he's probably at the same rate. So, where uh, did you have him, Hunter? I had him at sixth. Okay. And I have him at fourth and one and sixth in the other. So, I average out to be fifth.
0: <laughs> Averaging <laughs> it out? <laughs> is, is that a thing?
1: <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I just made it a thing. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, let me tell you where I have DD and where I have everybody else. And then we can maybe uh, get into a couple of these particular points. So, uh, so I'm going with real Muto as the leadoff hitter, not because I think he's the typical leadoff hitter, but I think given the circumstances, you kind of want a guy to, and and, you know, I am a guy who likes numbers. I've always been good at math, I guess, in life, but I like the intangibles at the same time. So I see somebody like Real Muto setting the proper tone. So so when I was at that game, uh, I think, it, what day was it? I think Friday. So I was sitting in the press box. Uh, Wednesday, I'm sorry, he homers to lead off the game. It just sort of set a tone, right? And then Harper's up a couple batters later. He hits a home run too. So I, I kind of saw the lineup kind of clicking in the last week where uh, Real Muto's leading off. Gene Segura batting second. And I I will say about Gene Segura, uh, I think he's the type of guy that when things are going well, let me put it this way. He's kind of an emotional guy, right? So when things are going well, he thrives in that second hole. Uh, When things were not great, you know, in terms of the McCutcheon injury, he talked about how much that weighed on him last year. Uh, I know his grandmother died. who was very close with at one point that kind of weighed on him last year that they seem to be the times where he struggles. But, you know, maybe if he's got real Muto ahead of him, he could put the McCutcheon thing behind him. I think he can be a tremendous number two hitter again. Third, I would have Bryce Harper in right field. Reese Hoskins batting fourth, and we'll talk about him in one second. I do think his stroke is coming back. Fifth, I would bat D.D. Gregorius there, and one of the reasons being you can kind of do the left-right-left thing, but behind him, I would go Roman Quinn with some power and some speed, his underrated power in my estimation, but I like that he's a switch hitter there, especially when you have Jay Bruce, who I would bat seventh, and then I would bat Scott Kingery Eighth. That's how I would approach this lineup. So, let's let's talk a little bit. We we kind of talked about everybody else here so far. Now, Roman Quinn. Wait, can All I, right. I just ask you? Can I
1: just interrupt you real quick? Sure, Frank, absolutely. Lineup, who? Do you, so you have Quinn in center field, then, right? I do. So you your Hazley is a bench player for you. He is. Okay, that's fine. I, that's I no a, yeah. To be that, honest with you, Roman Quinn, I prefer
2: Adam Hazley to be a bench guy and to have three other outfielders, and I feel like that's his role. I'm, and, I'm and not a, I,
1: I don't disagree. I like what Quinn brings when he's healthy.
2: Here's the thing. So if Roman Quinn is healthy,
0: he is tremendous. I think you need Adam Hastley because if he if Roman Quinn does get injured, imagine that possibility <laughs> if that ever happens. But but, you know, like the, there really is no other name on the on the roster that could really sort of jump in and center field to that level. So I would, I definitely want Hastley around. I think that he should spell Quinn one or two days a week. Um, I th- I think that you can't platoon them. I think Roman Quinn is, you know, he gave up the switch hitting and then he he brought it back and it turned out his left-handed bat ended up being nice and powerful <laughs> when he when he when he came back and it's looked really good this spring. You know, I, I for me, I want to see Roman Quinn in there every single day as much as possible. Uh, and you know, I I think to a certain extent. The reason why he's had all these different injuries and, you know, it's one thing to call a guy injury prone. But I think the reason why he's injury prone is only because when he's in there, he lays it all out on the field. You know, he makes he makes the stellar running diving plays. Um, he's running on the base pass, causing trouble. And I don't know how you sort of say to a guy, well, tone it down because you might get hurt. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I think I think at some point you just got to let the guy loose. Uh, he's healthy now. He's looked great this spring. Let him go, and then when, uh, if and when he does get hurt or if he's banged up a little bit, you, you, you get you get Adam Hastley in there. So I, to me, I I think that Roman Quinn is somebody who just just needs the chance to just to be let loose. Uh, and some year when he is let loose and no, no injury happens, I, I think watch out—you could see an all-star
1: season out of him. Frank, I agree with you. I like it, and that. But I, I'm going to reemphasize just for me personally that I pl- I feel like it's immeasurable, his speed and his disruption on the base paths. And even if he's as a leadoff hitter, and I don't have his on-base percentage off the top of my head, but I, I, he can get on base in a lot of different ways. I just feel like you put a lot of stress early on in a pitcher if he's on base, and then you got Harper and then the big guns up right after that. So I would, I would like him at the top of my lineup, ideally.
0: Well, the good news is JT Realmuto can't start every single day. So maybe he'll get the opportunity and maybe he will thrive on that opportunity. So, so we'll be an evolving situation. Uh, it would be interesting to see what we think in a couple of weeks as the Phillies are about to start in Miami, which is March 26th. Not that long from now, very, very early compared to the old days, but baseball will be back. But that's it for this segment. We'll be back after this. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. This is the Powder Blue Podcast. And we're back with the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. And, you know, there's a new sheriff in town in Philadelphia. And there's also a new sheriff in San Francisco. And that would be our old friend, Gabe Kapler, right? Everybody's favorite manager
2: from Philadelphia Phillies history, right? I can't stand him. I can't <laughs> stand All I picture is him he's standing on the steps. He's got the sunglasses on. Oh, God, he's such a hate-the-face to me.
1: Uh, still not worse than Ryan Sandberg, though. You can't get me to put him head <laughs> of Ryan Sandberg. You
2: know, you know what I think it is though. It's the way he he talked and just the way he would speak. I'm talking about Gabe Kapler, like that. Just ugh. It's just you mean you didn't
1: like it. how he physically presented things beautifully <laughs> to the most scientifically way possible? <laughs> you weren't a fan of that.
0: Well, you know, you know the one thing about Gabe Kapler is you know he he seemed to have the corporate line every single time. You know which which I guess you want from to a certain extent, so uh, that you want the corporate line. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I think one thing people like about Joe Girardi so far is he, he's kind of very down to earth and you kind of you kind of feel that when he says something, it's totally authentic, whereas Gabe Kapler, you're like, all right, is the, is this corporate speak, <laughs> if you know Ooh. what I mean. So, um, But one thing about corporate speak and that you'll find in, in San Francisco is certainly a, a new philosophy. And the one thing about Gabe Kapler is if he's out there in – San Francisco he is with Farhan Zaidi, his uh, former co-worker with the Los Angeles Dodgers and the two of them at least seem like they're in sync with their philosophies and and Hunter you wanted to talk about one of those uh, philosophies that they have towards hitting and this comes from uh, Henry Shulman of the San Francisco Chronicle where is. He's talking about the approach to hitting, and Gabe Kapler has taken some of his strategies, I guess you would say, to San Francisco that he once had in Philadelphia. And here is the plan. And this, I'm reading this tweet from Henry Shulman. You can follow him at Hank Shulman. I guess Henry doesn't fit. There's only a 15-character limit, so Hank Shulman. But- Hank Aaron. No, Hank Schulman. Sh- <laughs> he says, Gabe's uh, Gi- San Francisco Giants' Kapler wants hitters to change an approach they've had since Little League, always protecting the plate by swinging with two strikes. He'd rather see some strikeouts than weak defensive swings on tough pitches. And Hank Shulman says it is a difficult adjustment. So Hunter, who
2: wanted to talk about this so badly... <laughs> I Your just thoughts. don't understand I just don't understand. I, I can't comprehend how that would even process somebody's mind. Like I, I don't I just I don't get it. How would you not want to protect the plate with two strikes? Good things can happen. It's he's trying to make it seem as if every single time you put a defensive swing out there, it's always gonna result in the worst play possible. To me, if you have two strikes, you protect and you try and put the ball in play because good things can still happen.
1: I, I got to tell you, I, I was not, and Hunter knows this, right? And Frank, you too. I wasn't anti-Gabe when he was here. There were a lot of things I didn't like. There were some things I thought that were overblown. But now that he's the Giants manager, I find myself becoming anti-Gabe Kapler. <laughs> and that right there might be exactly the reason why. I mean, you think about some of the great two-strike hitters in this game, tony or that, that played the game, Tony Gwynn, Jeter, Chase Utley, they would shorten their swing and use the whole field. And the idea, and maybe we're blowing this up too much. I don't know. I'd like to talk to Gabe a little more about this, but
2: <laughs> maybe we can get him on. The idea in Arizona. That
1: it is like, as Hunter said that when you shorten your swing, you are actually weakening your approach. In fact, for a lot of players, when they shorten their swing, they're make, they're giving a better approach. I mean, the Jeter inside out swing, much as I hate the Yankees was a thing to behold. And, I just can't imagine being out there in San Francisco, which does not have – I can't think of a single guy in that lineup that hits 40 home runs right now. I feel like they the, the strength of that lineup is really that they use the entire field, plus they have an enormous pitcher's park where you'd want to use the whole field. And this guy is saying just try to launch the ball over – over the wall i mean
2: and if you get out you get out i wonder if more teams are doing this than we think though and it just sticks out to us because it's gabe like do analytics really dive into it to tell you hey listen you you should strike out instead of putting the ball in play i I don't know it just sticks out to us because we know gabe kapler but are other teams going with this philosophy too well one thing i one thing i i in fact, this is
0: something that stuck in my head. So uh, last week when I was in Clearwater, Larry Bow was talking to Cliff Floyd and uh, for MLB Network. So Cliff Floyd was in town. The, the MLB 30 for 30 was there. And Larry Bow was talking about working with Gene Segura at third base. And one thing that, that Larry said was – and he said this to, to Gene – move back. (laughs) right? You you know, you're used to the third baseman sort of playing up, right? For any, for any bunts, right? Well, what Larry said is, well, the analytics say don't bunt anymore. So play back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the the, kind of the thing that, that, that kind of clicked in my head is, well, look, yeah, you might react to what the numbers are saying, but people are adjusting right back. So that that's going to change things around. So, uh, so if, this philosophy is this pronounced like, I I don't understand why you would sort of say that because the opposing team then can come take full advantage of that.
2: Maybe that's what he wants to happen. Now there's no (laughs) way he's that smart. There is no way he's that smart.
1: Well, I would say he, what he's basically saying is adjust until they make you adjust. So play back because nobody's bunting anymore. And I think that's sound philosophy. That's just simply a strategic maneuver to i would say better prepare yourself for the way the game is played but if you're a hitter i don't see any strategical advantage to just having a really poor swing out of your ankles corkscrew type swing instead of shortening and trying to get the hit to the other field or just putting some contact on the ball to me that's not a response to anything other than We don't think you're going to get a hit there. So just, (laughs) I I don't even understand what the point is. Don't put away. So just in case you accidentally run into one, you ran into one. What are the, what are the percentages of that? working out in your favor as opposed to shortening your swing and getting a hit. I would love to see the analytics on that and say that it's actually more viable and productive when you swing from your ankles and corkscrew that you're going to run into one every once in a while, more so than you're going to hit the ball to the opposite field. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, 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 maybe maybe if this was just like, if you only took the seven, eight and nine hitters in your lineup, you know, nine hitter for, the American league and said, you guys all stink. So you might as well just swing for the fences. But if this is as, as it was read and I assume it Frank as just a team wide thing, I think that that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's yeah, it's, it, it is crazy. I'm just thinking like there has to be numbers to support this because that's the only way Gabe Kapler works. So there has to be numbers to support this philosophy. So let me ask you this. Are there players
0: on the Phillies roster? Now look, looking at last year's numbers, the two players that had the most strikeouts were, Bryce Harper, one seventy-eight, and Reese Hoskins had one seventy-three. So they were kind of in the same range. Do you think that their their swings,
2: their numbers would be affected by a philosophy like this? I, I, I would I would assume so, right? I mean, even if even if they're they don't like it and they hate it. It's just on their mind the entire time, and it affects their approach throughout. Even if there's not two strikes, it's I can't get two strikes because then I won't swing. Or, but that doesn't make sense with Reese Hoskins because he was taking too many pitches, in my opinion. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I would have to really look back and and see, you know, some numbers on how these guys were last year yeah, in certain I mean,
1: situations. I do kind of wonder if that if I you think about Gabe Kapler, I'm sorry, you think about. Uh, Bryce Harper, he really doesn't shorten his swing with two strikes. He strikes out a lot on two strike pitches because he's swinging for the fences all the time. And the same thing with Hoskins. So, hopefully, maybe if that I didn't never thought that that was just coming from above. Maybe it was, and maybe with Joe Girardi here, it's a different approach. And they go back to I think Harper was always that way, but maybe you do see some some shorter swings and and uh, on two strikes, and that's uh, that benefits these guys. Maybe it keeps Reese Hoskins from going uh, through a two month slump.
0: Well, all of that is in the rear view mirror. Joe Girardi is in town. New philosophy, new hitting coach. We'll have a lot to follow in the upcoming season. But we're out of time. We thank you for joining us on the Powder Blue Podcast. I'm Frank Close for Jeff Mosher for Hunter Brody. We will catch you next time. Have a great week.